Hello and welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I am your host, Scott David Chase. Um, this episode is actually a two-parter, so the first part is myself and Travis Rummo talking about A Quiet Place Part 2, and then after that is done, it's just me talking about, uh, God, seven or eight films that I saw in the last month or so. Um, originally, I thought these were going to be done as two separate episodes, but I decided to combine them as one so that I can kind of move forward and um, make shorter episodes more often in the next, you know, in the months to come. We'll see if that happens, but that's my plan. So um, thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Uh, for the Love of Film podcast, I am your host, Scott David Chase. With me today is... Travis. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about uh, A Quiet Place Part Two, which you just saw. You were very hesitant. Why well, part two? Well, it was one of those things that, like, I had been saying, I had just been saying a quiet place too for like yeah. a year, and then like, I mean, I knew when it first came out that it was part two, and it's such a such a little distinction, but I feel like I don't know. I always feel like when there's a sequel and it's just called whatever two. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's so unoriginal. Right. And I feel like the part two, they're trying to like class it up a little bit. Right. But they also didn't call it something else. So True. Because usually it's like name and then sub name, like under it right. as like a, instead of a two or. I think the first movie that I was aware that you could call it something else was, you know, oddly enough, the, the Empire Strikes Back. And it's weird because like on the poster and everything, it'll say. It says Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. And it's, right. it's, The Empire Strikes Back is within a frame of Star Wars. It's actually, it says Star, The Empire Strikes Back Wars. Wars. Yeah. yeah. But nobody says Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. People no, just refer to it as Empire Strikes yeah. Back, which it wasn't until that came out that A New Hope was called A New Hope. Because when Star Wars was first in the theater, the first film, it was just called right. Star Wars. And it didn't have the chapter four thing. It was just right. the scroll. That didn't come till after prequels, right? No, that actually came uh, be- with Empire Strikes Back because Empire Strikes Back had uh, episode five. Mm-hmm. And initially people were like, wait, did, did we miss three movies oh, wow. in between? Um, and, you know, you couldn't Google it then because the Internet didn't right. exist. Um, and because they did a re-release of the first Star Wars uh, in the fall, I believe it was the fall of 1980, like after Empire Strikes Back had come out, but it may have been 1981, but they re-released it in theaters, because home video wasn't even a thing yet. I mean, it, That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it was, I want to say it was like 82, 83, where home video started to become a thing, and it was, uh, it's funny, because, I mean, obviously you know what a VHS tape looks like, but right. the boxes they used to come in were like, the size of a cereal box That's crazy. and you'd open it up and it was all dead space on the top and the bottom. It was just like, and it didn't have like the packaging just where the tape was and everything else was just around it. it well, yeah. But it didn't have like the cardboard sleeve that they come in. Well, right. I was going to say now, but nobody, right. I have one right here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one up there. Yeah. yeah. It was just a back to the future. Um, yes, but it was just the tape, just the raw tape inside this giant jumbo <laughs> box. So cool. Uh, and then somewhere, Probably in the mid to late 80s, they started shrinking down the boxes. And I think Disney, and I'm, I haven't fact-checked this all, this at all, but I think the Disney clamshell, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, yeah. 
the plastic, almost yeah, like, like puffy one. In together. That was like, oh, we're making a smaller box now, which is so <laughs> fun. And then eventually they're like made even smaller. I, it wasn't you. I think it was Evan that I was talking to the other day about CD long boxes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen yeah, those? Yeah, I have. Because that's how they, that's how CDs just came when right. they first came out. And they're like, these actually cost money to make, and then people yes. literally just throw them out. I had, because I'm looking at your wall, and you've got uh, uh, 12-inch record sleeves on, on like, 80% of one of your walls. I, whenever I bought a CD that was in a long box, it would go up on the wall afterwards, because yep. it was giant album art, yeah, you know, roughly awesome. half the size, and then, yeah, they stopped doing them. But, um... A Quiet Place Part Two, right? Oh yeah, that's uh, that, that's how yep. these podcasts go. Um, so you saw it yesterday? I um, did. I, I I know your answer already because you texted me. But um, yes. did you enjoy it? I loved it. I uh, did too. It was one of those things we talked about it at work before um, I even saw the movie. That you you said you enjoyed it more than the first one. I w- well I. I enjoyed it, I think, as much, mm-hmm. possibly more. I'm going to go see it again this afternoon. I mean, part yes. of it is also the, ooh, it's shiny and new brilliance on it. So I was like, because right. there have been times, like, I don't know, I could probably think of 50 movies in the last 10 years seeing in a theater, having such a great experience and walking out and go, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm just sure. like... Eh, we'll see how true that actually is, which is why I try and like not actually say that out loud at first because I'm just like, no, I'm just excited because I just came out of a movie that right. I enjoyed. Because just by the very nature of this podcast, I see a lot of movies that I don't necessarily enjoy or just, meh, they're all right. That's true. Also being the first movie I've seen in the theater in a year and a half, yeah, didn't almost you say, to the day. Didn't you say Rise of Skywalker was the last yeah, Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was really awesome to actually be able to be in a theater. wasn't packed, but still was great to you see a movie. You did see it midday on a, on a on weekday. A Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, that was the thing for me that when I saw it, because I saw it Sunday night, so not opening day, but it was, it was on Memorial Day weekend, mm-hmm. and it was a rainy day. Yeah. So, and it wasn't sold out, but I would say of the seats that could be, occupied like 90% of them were filled. So it was the first time I'd been in the theater in a year and a half where there were, yeah, I, I don't know, I would guess there was 70, 75 people in there. Yep. It's a packed theater. It's pretty packed. Yeah. Which for that being that long, that's pretty busy. Yeah. But it was also one of those things that, because, you know, I've been going to the movies when they reopened last summer mm-hmm. and they've been open for about two weeks now and I've been going and there's just no one in there. And it was a weird dichotomy of oh god there's people all around me in a confined space um because no one's wearing masks even and and actually i think the theater now says ah you're vaccinated you don't have to but it's just like "Eh, we're not going to do anything anyways but and then i was like well i'm glad that there's people here because i recognized that if it's just me in the theater that's not a sustainable business model for theater being open so i was just like Hopefully, because I can't think of another big movie that opens until I think, I think um, Conjuring comes out Friday. Oh right, third Conjuring, which is is big in itself. Just because yeah, a, I don't have any interest franchise. in seeing it, but those movies have like a built-in audience. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, like Black Widow in July. 
Yeah, Black Widow is the beginning of July, and then because most of the movies that were supposed to come out last year got pushed back to like the fall and the winter, and right. and it's funny because they were just like you know because I got pushed back several times, but I wonder now because I just feel like a lot of the like marquee films got pushed back. I wonder if studios are going to be like, shit, we should have released it earlier. Oh, yep. uh, Fast and the Furious 9 is yep. going out, which, again, I don't so give a shit. So cool. <laughs> but um, I think I've seen... I think I've seen three of those. But I'm sorry. It's just one of those things that I'm just like... Like, it amazes me that there's nine of those things. Yep. But it's a formula and people tend to like it. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of like blockbuster movies. Well, like they're just always the summer, the summer classics. Yeah. And obviously it changed after fast seven, everything. I feel like it just exploded after that. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I didn't see that one. I, which is the one, was that the last one that, um, Blondie McGillicuddy was in before he died or was he, <laughs> that's fast seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always funny because, like, because I've seen the preview for for it's just called F nine, yeah. Which they I, I, they think they're super cute by changing the name every every time. Yeah, the next one is just going to be called F. <laughs> just just F. Yeah, just, okay. it's not even an entire F. It's like most of an F will be on the poster, <laughs> and then the big you know what it is, the Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it was nice, like the back to what we we're saying about going back to the theater. Uh, before the movie and after the trailer, I'm sure they showed it in yours. John Krasinski says, yeah. "Thank you for coming back." Yeah. Like the way that you should be able to see movies. And right. That was cool. So I know, yeah. like, Mirror probably means a lot to them as for it's his movie and yeah, obviously money and it was. Did they? Was there a trailer for the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard? There was. There? Did it have the like the phone like the phone video? Uh, from Salma Hayek beforehand, she's like, "Yeah, Come see yeah. my movie." I'm like, and she's clearly reading the script on the side. Yeah, and I'm reading. like, I'm like, you couldn't even bother to like get out of your basement, right? To, like, <laughs> but I mean, and it's funny because I I went to the movies at O'Neill's in uh, everyone says O'Neill's, it's O'Neill so in, in Epping, and they have a they have a video saying thank you for coming back to the movies. We're also trying to like. Stay open because they're an independent. Even though there's right. two of them, it's independently owned, and they're like because they're they're asking people to go on and petition for uh, federal funding to keep theaters open. Which that's cool. I you know I can appreciate, but it's also like, I, I, like I like the thing from John Krasinski, and I've seen another filmmaker do that too. But I'm, it's a little bit of preaching to the choir. I'm just like, yes, I'm in the theater seeing it. I understand. It's like, I am here. (laughs) It's like when I put in older Blu-rays from like the mid two thousands, when they first came out, there's a trailer for Blu-ray technology. And they're like the, the breaking thing. And I'm like, I'm watching a Blu-ray. You don't have to sell me on (laughs) it. I understand it here. (laughs) I used to have a joke in my stand-up bit that, um, I, cause I swore I was never going to buy DVDs cause I had a laser disc player. And then I eventually broke down. Jesus. <laughs> well, I mean, and this was like late nineties and right. I was just like, well, and especially because DVDs at the beginning, they didn't do anything special. They just literally took the transfers that had been created for laser and threw them on a smaller disc. And right. I was like, 
why do I need to buy a new technology? Even though, you know, I've purchased multiple different technologies. So the same thing with Blu-ray, because I remember when there was a um, format war between um, HD DVDs and Blu-rays, because I mm-hmm. still have like two HD DVDs in my collection that just have regular right. DVDs on the other side. But I was like, eh, I don't care. I'll wait and see. And um, But then I eventually, when I finally broke down, I joked in my stand-up act that I finally bought, bought Blu-rays so I wouldn't have to keep seeing ads telling me I needed to buy a Blu-ray. <laughs> And I can't and even that, escape that. that. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> ha, the, it's funny because they're like, it's the cutting edge, the best that high definition will offer. And I'm like, obviously, now we have, you know, right. 4K and everything and whatever. But yeah, so I did appreciate that he was saying that, but it, but I'm like, yeah, I'm here already. Yeah, I understand. We did it. I understand. But And I also feel like, People who don't generally go to the movies, who just go for those things, go for like the big blockbusters, are only going to come see that or see the big movies. They're not like, oh, he's right. It is better to see movies in the theater. It's and I don't even necessarily think it's better because we can see stuff, um, you know, a ton of different ways. But I enjoy the experience of it. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But especially a movie like Quiet Place Part Two, where Sound design is such a big part of it. Um, I haven't. Have you rewatched A Quiet Place recently? Not recently, but I have over the past year. Uh, yeah, I did probably nine months ago because fourteen months ago when I had tickets to see it, I had tickets to see a double feature actually, right? And then it got canceled because the world fell apart. So after a couple months and realizing it wasn't going to reopen anytime soon. I was like, well, I, I kind of want to rewatch this anyways, but I still can't remember because the sound design in that movie was so specific and such a huge part of the plot of the film. Right. I don't remember any of the score itself. If there was, one. I mean, there must've been score in it, but it's I don't very know. little. Yeah. But there was definitely score in this film. Yes, there was. Um, it's definitely a lot less quiet. Yeah, movie. for sure. With not even not, not like in the story itself, but just in the in the film. Right. Yeah, there was because that's the thing with a quiet place is there's a lot of space as just like um, you know audible empty space, which I think kind of added to the tension of the whole situation and the fact that you know uh, the daughter. Uh, is deaf and so everyone in the family speaks sign language um, is such a huge plot point where it's not as much of one in this one although it is at at points right Um, I think they more or less were setting up heavy groundwork with the first movie with the characters Mm -hmm. and the the quiet aspect obviously was like the is the niche of the film right and the creatures and how they hear and yeah um, yeah, that definitely wasn't as present mm-hmm. in this one. Yeah, but we already knew all that. Right, like itself. And did it? The film. Like, are we doing spoilers? Are we doing? How are we doing you, this? you can talk about spoilers. If if, okay. if you're worried about spoilers, first of all, if you really want to see this movie, stop listening to this <laughs> and go see the movie, and then come back and listen to it. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't even remember what I was going to say. Spoilers. 
Oh, does this movie pick up? Obviously, there's the beginning where yeah. it's the day one. But does this movie pick up pretty much right when the first one ends? Yeah, because there it seemed to me like they were walking out of the house like minutes after the events yeah. of. Although, because they go down to the basement, the water's still running. Yeah, and the thing's still there. Yeah, and so, then like, it the feels nail like it is just, still in the. Yeah, yeah, like it just had happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, which. For some reason, I thought I remember the other, the first film ending at nighttime and it starts in the daytime. Yeah. So maybe it's like the next morning. But right. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I also wonder because he didn't make a Quiet Place thinking it was going to be the beginning of a franchise. It was. It was right. not intended that way. Because um, John Krasinski. You know, he directed it, but he also co-wrote the screenplay. But he didn't write the story. Like, the story existed, right. and then he kind of turned it into a thing. But the, the original story writers didn't return because they didn't have any... They, they, I believe the gist of what they were saying was, we didn't write it intending to be a franchise, and we'd rather work on new original ideas than revisit this. And they were also like, we have the opportunity to do whatever we want because of the success of the first one. So we'd rather do something else original, which I can respect. I can respect. So Uh, is this just John Krasinski's writing? uh, I know he was credited as written and directed at the end of the film. He was a co-writer. I'm referring to the interwebs. Uh, But I think regardless, the, the writing, whoever wrote it, if it was just... Krasinski or oh, yeah. else. Oh, yeah. he he was the sole uh, screenplay writer for this, um, and the original story. Brian Woods and Scott Beck were the were the story writers for Quiet Place, and a Quiet Place uh, screenplay was written by them and John Krasinski. So John Got Krasinski it. wrote this <clears throat> by himself. Then he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. I think it was the pacing was really really good. I didn't. I feel like it just like was constant. Like everything was just constantly happening. There wasn't really lulls. Yeah, there's not a whole, a whole or any real dead time. It's just kind of, and and it's 97 minutes, which is the exact like that's the perfect length for these types of films. I agree. Which so many movies now are bloated over two hours, and it's and a lot of people. So you probably know this because you're pretty big into film, but. You know, in a film's running time, like 97 minutes, that's including the end credits. Correct. So it's, I always, whenever someone asks me how long the movie is, I always tell them, I'm just like, you can chop five minutes off of that because you're probably not going to stay for the credits. I'm a nerd, and I do, (laughs) and I read them, but... Right. um, Well, it's like when Endgame came out, like the three-hour, three-minute, and it's like, okay, that's probably like maybe three hours. Um, Did you remember... Do you know the film Walking Tall, the Dwayne Johnson movie? It's a it, it it's at least ten years old. Is it a is it a sports movie? No, it's a he's it's a remake of a uh, TV show from the seventies. It's him and Johnny Knoxville, but he's yeah, uh, he's no basically idea. a uh, a sheriff in a small town. Small town uh, sheriff. It's uh how was that old? It's two thousand four. Uh, oh yeah, because he was still. He was still credited as the Rock on the poster. I had no idea. But it's like early Rock. Yeah, it's uh, so it's eighty six minutes long. Mm-hmm. It has the distinction of having the longest credit crawl. Uh, it was, I think it was like twenty two minutes of credits. What? It was weird because I'm watching the movie, and right around the hour mark, I was like, it feels like they're wrapping this up. 
Like, I was like, they must be introducing another plot, you know, right. towards the end. And nope. Then the movie it's was over. over. I was like, what? And then I watch, and the credits start rolling, and they're, like, going, like, like this. They're, like, so, so slow. Wow. And I was like, what the hell? Because in order for a film to be considered feature length, it has to be at least 82 That's minutes long. I thought this was so they yeah. just slowed down the credits. Like, there you go. That's it's a awesome. movie. It's such a dick move. You're like, it's awesome. They're like, no, it's a TV movie. Because yeah. it was like, like, the actual movie's like 65 minutes long. That's insane. Yeah. But, um, the, That's awesome. The Quiet Place credits, I think it was, it was probably less than five minutes. It um, seemed fine. Yeah. It was funny because the movie ends credits start rolling and a couple people were like, wait, that's it? And I was just like, what do you mean that's it? That was a, like, that was was a whole story. Like, that was great, yeah. Because um, it's it, it's kind of its own story. It told the story that was set up for this film, but also, because now, I guess John Krasinski is saying he's got an idea for a third one, which doesn't surprise me, but I'm also Especially like... Especially with the ending. Yeah, but I also trust that, like, he's not doing it just to make money. Um, right. But... People get up, most of the people leave the theater, but the people in the row right in front of me, um, there were like people sitting to the left of the people sitting right in front of me that were friends with them, so they get up and start talking, but they're standing right in front. Of course. And uh, I don't say anything, but f- finally one of the people who's sitting in front of me goes, is there a guy behind us? And the girl's like, yes. Yeah. She's like, maybe he's trying to watch the credits. She's like, nobody watches credits. And then she goes, you're not watching the credits, are you? I was like, trying to. And she's like, oh, sorry, and moved out of the way. Nobody watches yeah. the credits. Um, you know, no one cares about any yeah. of the people. Yeah, I'm at the point where I will stay, because obviously Marvel has this built-in right. thing, the paranoia that I'm like, I'm going to miss something. Right. Uh, but I am at the point where I will stay till we see, like, the movie title card. Where right. they say, like, all the actors. Right. And it's, like, like, written, directed by, produced, blah, blah, blah title card then the it right. starts rolling i'm like okay yeah. i could probably go yeah yeah it's um they'll actually because each movie that's registered with the mpaa has a number assigned to it. it's basically you know like a serial number for lack of a better term and there it's an oval that has almost like a like a crosshair in it that's above it once it shows that there's nothing else coming like that's like the, the stamp of like the end of what you're seeing so like that I, I figured that out, I don't know, 20 years ago. So, like, because I got duped uh, at the, f- the first movie that I was aware of that had, like, a post-credit thing was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Um, you've seen that movie. I'm Is assuming. that when he's, like, you still here? Yeah, he comes out and yeah. he's like, you still here? Go home. Yeah. The movie's over. Yeah, like, which is awesome. Which, and, and, and there has to be other films that have had stuff before it because – there was a precedent set where they're like, let's do this, but it was very rare. It wasn't, it was really, I think Marvel that started doing that and most of them have it, but at the same time, there's been a few that haven't and I've gotten like mad that I'm like, yeah, fucking sat through this. You're not going to give me anything. <laughs> well, it was like the end of, um, Spider-Man homecoming when mm-hmm. it was just Captain America, mm-hmm. like basically giving you crap that you waited Right. And you're like, oh, sick, thanks. Right. Like, they know we're all going to wait at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, nothing at Quiet Place. No, but I wasn't expecting there yeah, to be. Um, sometimes, like, because I've seen a couple of movies in the past few years that had them, and I'm just like, that was not necessary. Right. I kind of like it when 
particularly if it's a comedy or something like that, when they put the bloopers in there, I'm just like, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, tight. I just, you know, I, I, I liked that it was, <clears throat> I don't know, to me it felt like a very, very different type of film than the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, because the first one, you've got the family unit and it's a very like, I don't know, it felt like a very small personal thing where this, like the whole world was kind of opened up. Right. Um, Which you kind of get right from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which was, I thought that beginning scene was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It, was, it immediately set like the tone. Obviously, you knew what happened after with the right. first film, but the second you see like that thing in the sky, it's yeah. like oh shit! Yeah, like, it was actually like scary. Yeah, like, being in a theater, hearing the sounds, like the way it all sounded, was just like scary. Yeah, and I was like whoa! Like my heart started pumping. I was like yeah. whoa! It was actually really intense. Yeah, and they played it off like perfectly well. Yeah, well, and it was. Uh... It was weird because I, it actually reminded me of September 11th uh, when it happened, um, just because, I mean, I, I watched, a, I was working at Best Buy at the time and we had the whole back wall of TVs, we turned on the news and we're watching that mm-hmm. because someone had just said in the morning, they're like, oh yeah, a plane crashed into the World Trade Center. So we're like. How, how the hell does that happen? Like, not thinking it was an attack, thought it was right. a, an accident. Like, literally, how does that even by accidentally so, happen? Yeah, yeah, so they pulled up the news and showed it, and the first tower smoking, and as we're watching, we live saw the second, I'm sure. second uh, tower get hit, and it was just such a weird, like, didn't even know what was going on, and then uh, not long after, I don't remember the timeline, but I want to say it was like 20 minutes, a half an hour, where they like, plane crashed into the pentagon and i was mm-hmm. like oh shit we're under attack um but it was a weird like and then seeing footage of people like on the in new york at the time just like staring up at the sky not knowing what to do and it was it it, it, it reminded me of that where like in the movie watching the movie you're like run get out of there they have we, no but idea. you have no idea and i think and so many people think oh i would get the hell out of there but it's also You've seen enough blooper videos where, like, people play a prank on someone, like, like home invasion or something, and and when people take off right away, right. people are like, what a fucking loser, and you're just like, like okay, yeah, like, okay. <laughs> I think it genuinely, like, I like you put yourself in that situation if you were there, and you, even like with your knowledge of movies and mm. with your knowledge of like stuff like that happening in sci- science fiction stuff, like, yeah, you would not know what to do, yeah. Like it's terrifying, especially seeing it on the news when he wa- leaves the, the convenience store going to the baseball game. Yeah. And then seeing that in the sky, it's like, okay. Yeah. They're doing exactly what they should. They're all just leaving. Yeah. Like, okay, like, oh, we don't know what to do. We're just going to leave. Let's go home. Yeah. Let's go home. Yeah, but that was – and something I was actually put in my notes that happened twice in this movie that I thought about was Jurassic Park. Uh, in the scene when – in the th- during day one – when they're all in the bar yeah. and it's coming past the window and you just see the silhouette. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so Jurassic Park. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then later on in the film, when they're in the booth, like the radio the rec- tower yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's going between the, the, like the cells, like the blocks of yeah. equipment yeah. and it's clicking. I'm, yeah. like, oh, I'm like, this is so Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like perfect. Yeah. Cause it works. And like, if they're like, don't broke, like don't fit. You know what I mean? Right. It's awesome. I um, it's terrifying. <laughs> the whole thing that I was like freaking out the whole movie was because 
a big, you know, and again, we did mention spoilers in this, but a huge, like the whole plot of this centers around um, her hearing aid being able to work. And I'm just like, what if the battery in that dies while she's doing that? I'm like, because it's a Fair battery. Point. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I mean, it's slightly bigger than a watch battery. Yeah. And it's just, I was just like, because at some point. You're that guy, though. Yeah. You're like, okay. When's the battery? Well, <laughs> I was like, they could, maybe they're going to use that, but I'm just like, there's no way that they're going to find, because it's such a specific battery, right. too. I'm like, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see where they go with a third one, because obviously by the end of this, they were able to take care of the creatures that were in their immediate vicinity, and obviously through broadcasting it, you know, there's a capability to do that, but they made a point of, uh, you know, cause it was the same song playing over and over again, beyond right. the sea. And she's like, you're lying. My father would have heard it, but he made a point though. Like you're in the Valley. Um, so I'm sure they're going to use that or, or, or there's a good chance they can use that logic or why don't we just broadcast across the, uh, across right. the country. But it's, it's, it's a long long range frequency, so it only goes so far. Which people who don't know the difference, like short wave radio, long wave radio. Right. Um, you can't really transmit music very well over uh, short wave, but short wave can actually travel further than long mm-hmm. wave does. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about all that. I was also surprised. Did you watch Lost, the TV show? Well, I just did this past year. So when they get to the island and you just see the houses and people are like, it looked just I was just like, like that's the others. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. run. <laughs> it did. It also was very like, very similar. Yeah. It seemed like in that little community. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I didn't even think about that. I was actually surprised that they didn't explore it more in this. Cause it's basically like we're here. And then the next day, all hell breaks loose again. Right. Um, I, I was also kind of surprised cause I knew Jaman Husu was in the film, yep. I was surprised at what a small part it was. Yeah, I saw. I thought the same thing when yeah. he showed up. I was like, I had no, I didn't. Even, I somehow just went over my head. I was like, I didn't even know he was in the movie. He was in, I think, the first trailer, but I don't think he was, or like the teaser trailer yeah. for a second. But I also like. It's weird how trailers are cut too, because I remember in the teaser, there's a shot of Killian Murphy saying the people left are not the type of people worth saving. And then mm-hmm. it immediately cuts to a shot of Juman Husu. So it's sort of like, oh, okay. Like a fake. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bad guy or whatever. That's the thing. Ugh, I love trailers so much, and I always want to watch a trailer for any movie I'm interested in. Yeah. But I hate in my head in the theater or when I'm watching a movie where I know there's a part that hasn't popped up yet because I saw it in the trailer. Right. And Marvel has done this thing where they put fake stuff in trailers to, to avoid. Right people's thoughts and spoilers and stuff the part when they were on the i i have guessed in the theater that mm. the creature was going to go from the boat to the island yeah because you they showed it float away on right. the boat and i'm like okay if that doesn't go to the island what else is it going to do and i remember a shot in the trailer of killian murphy running on, on the island on, and then the thing was in the background and i'm like okay this is definitely here right I'm like this hasn't been in the movie yet. right so i hate that i like i have that built-in memory right. with trailers but i love trailers right well it's it's funny because with marvel i think a lot of it isn't because it's happened with star wars too that with the disney star wars movies where mm-hmm. there's stuff in the 
trailers that aren't in the film. And some of it I think is misdirect, but some of it I think is just they shoot so much. And like particularly with Marvel movies where a lot of times they can be editing up until like weeks before the movie comes out in theaters, it could be a scene that they – that they just ended up cutting from the film, but they, you know, they cut the trailer sometimes nine months beforehand. Right. Um, which is funny because again, on home video, particularly in stuff from the early eighties, a lot of trailers, they'll say, ah, we don't really have much footage of the film yet because we're shooting it, but there's a new Indiana Jones movie coming (laughs) soon. Um, that's the temple of doom trailer is literally just that. And then a shot of him from Rangers of the Lost Ark. They're like, now shooting really? for summer of 1984, you know. And it's just a shot of him And it's Raiders. just a shot of him standing from Raiders. Um, <laughs> but it was just like, you know, especially then because they also shot on film. So they're like, right. we haven't cut any of this yet. We're not going to chop it up for a trailer. Right. It was a whole different yeah. thing. Yeah. It's so weird, the evolution of marketing of movies just in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm sure. I mean, you know, because... Star Wars wasn't the first blockbuster. I mean, Jaws really was the first blockbuster. Mm-hmm. But from Star Wars on, they just like had to like rethink how they were going to do stuff. And it mm-hmm. keeps evolving, which is funny because, you know, obviously I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but it has changed the way movies are marketed and seen for better and for worse. So, um, I really liked, uh, I really like Killian Murphy in this, which I just kind of, I don't know. He plays a really good bad guy in a lot of stuff that he's in. So I sort of just assumed he was going to be like, there was something like not trustworthy about him in this, um, which I mean, he's certainly hesitant to help them at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but I think that was just like survival. He's just like, you're going to get me killed. Right. And he had already like lost Lost everything. everything. So I think trying to, yeah, he was trying to avoid that again. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. And from where he was, like his setting of where he was living was complete isolation from literally everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can understand where his character was coming from. Yeah. I think the kids did a fantastic job. Like the uh, – obviously the girl, like her – what is it? Millicent. Mil- uh, Simmons. Simmons, yeah. I don't know the characters' names. Yeah. Is, that, is, it, is it just me? Because they don't really talk. No, they're, really, and they're certainly not <clears throat> like referenced by names. Yeah, like yeah. I was thinking about that when I was writing over. I was like, I can't remember any of the characters' like, names. I wrote down in my notes, I wrote, like her name was Reagan, and then Marcus is the son. I'm like, I have. I don't remember them ever no saying idea. Marcus's name. I don't either. Yeah, but I think the kids did great. Uh, there's a scene with with the boy Marcus yeah. with the the trap. Yeah, and his acting was insane. Yeah. You actually thought that actually happened to him because he was acting yeah. his ass off. That was, oh God, that was so gross. <laughs> well, and when that happened, I was like, I was, I actually did the opposite of what you were like when, because early in the film, he gets his foot in a bear trap. Right. And, you know, obviously screaming very loudly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, fuck, I don't remember if I saw him in any later scenes in the trailers. I'm like, is he? Are they going to have to leave him here? And, like, is this how they escape because he gets eaten? I was just like, this family's been through so fucking much already. Um, I was thinking the same thing. I was either that or they're just going to, like, cut it right off. I was like, I have no idea what they're going to (laughs) do. Did you see see Hereditary? It's one of my favorite movies. 
So, Which is says a lot of weird things about me. Right. That movie's horrifying. Well, the fact that, like, and again, spoilers, if you haven't seen Hereditary, stop listening to this, but I'm assuming it's a three-year-old movie, at least. Yeah. Um, uh, the When the girl gets her head knocked off in the car, and yeah. I was like, wait, because she's such a big part of the trailers. Yeah, that's quite literally the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's like... I, I want to say in the first half hour of the film, yeah. and, I, and she's not in the rest of the movie because yeah. dead. Uh, but I was like, wait, was she in any of the other scenes? And I was like, because knowing that it had that it was a horror thing, and like not knowing if it was going to be supernatural or not, I was like, is she coming back? Is there like something? Right. But no, nope, that was it. Yeah. Yep, that was yeah. it. Yeah. So I, I had the same I thought, the same thought about Marcus. I was just like, I don't remember, but I did like. Yeah, the difference in dynamic of this and the first one is it really is the two kids that kind of save the day mm. at the end. And it's it was a really nice progression of both of their characters, particularly like Reagan. Is that what you said her yep. name was? Yep. Um, you know, because she was really feeling guilty um, in the first film and then... Um, she basically was just like, I'm going to do what my father would do. And, you know, at the end of this really kind of did. And also Marcus was very like timid, very scared, which understandable, like right. this horrible situation that he's in and really kind of just like stepped up. Cause he's like my mom and my younger brother or sister, I don't know if they ever I said what either. the gender of the baby is, uh, are going to die unless I do this. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause it was one of those, Things that, like, when it happens in the theater, when he ultimately figures out, oh, I can kill this thing, um, or at least disable it enough so that right. I can kill it with the radio and just steps up. I was like, yeah, dude, fuck, yeah. yeah like, he did it. Yeah. 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 I think they both, like, completely assumed, like, the the, the dad role. Yeah. Like, the Krasinski role from the first movie. Like, mm-hmm. they, it was really good. And I think, the, like what I was saying earlier, the pacing of the film the suspense in it was insane. Yeah. The cutting back between three different scenes yeah. at one po- at a couple different points mm-hmm. and it felt completely fine. It wasn't like overstuffed. It felt like you're seeing Marcus in the, in the tunnel. You're seeing um, Emily Blunt's character yeah. up, up top yeah. and then you're seeing uh, Reagan. Yeah. It, it was like perfectly paced out and the suspense was insane. Yeah. You didn't know at all at one point like, okay, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to get out of this? Right. Yeah, I think they did a, a great job. I was talking to um, one of our coworkers, uh, Kira, because she was asking me for you know horror movie recommendations, and she's like, "Well, was it scary?" I was like, "Well, there's definitely a couple jump scares, and I knew that they were coming, and it still does it anyways." There's a part where Reagan's in the train trying to grab the yeah. uh, the first aid kit, yep. and she can't get into the room, and I was right. like something's going to jump out at her or grab her arm or something. Which will cause this to happen. Yeah. And then I was, but, and it ended up just being the old, the old skeleton behind the door gag. (laughs) But it was, you know, obviously it scared her. I don't remember what the other one was, but I was like, whatever it was, like made me jump, even though I, because they changed the music enough, Mm -hmm. like with the score where I was like, Jesus Christ, (laughs) even though I knew it was coming too. And in the uh, same scene was the flock of birds. The birds yeah, flew out. Yeah, it was the birds. Yeah, I was like, Jesus birds. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love to, within the same train scene, when the skeleton falls, and I love how, like, because sometimes sound will happen, and these things will just come out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And it's quick, 
But I liken that that scene when she falls and it's obviously out of focus, but you can see something way behind Down her. The and then all of a sudden it just rack focuses and you just see yeah. it crawling. Yeah. So scary. Yeah. Um, I was trying to, when, when Killian Murphy hears that weird sound and like comes around the corner and realizes that the boat has landed on the island, I, because I heard some people in the audience afterwards and be like, there's no way that thing could pilot the boat and know how. I was like, no, it just fucking floated. <laughs> it floated. And I was like, and while to some people that might seem unbelievable, just from like, when they first showed Reagan looking at the map, but then later when it sh- did an aerial shot of the shore and the island, like the island is like maybe a half mile offshore. It's not, you, it's not even so that far. tides yeah. could have easily done right. that. And they also, the, the shape of the island, it's it's a very long like ellipsis shape. So the like the it's not like a singular point. Right. So the fact that the tide brought the boat there like is not that weird. No. Um, especially because the boat was untied. Um, I mean, the boat had a ton of holes in it, but, uh, yeah, it's easily, easily feasible. Right. At the very least. Um, I didn't, they, I don't see, I'm confused about the, did they say anything in the first film of the, about them not being able to swim? I think this was the first time they mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, because we didn't I, really see water. In the, other except than the for when the basement's flooding. That too. Yeah, but wasn't one of them underwater? But but I guess it wasn't swimming because it's right. like it could have stood up. But yeah, I guess it, yeah. I guess Which, it was just something we... It didn't say... I don't know if... I, to, I honestly can't be, like remember if it was in the first film, but I don't believe it would be because they yeah. were in the house the whole time. Yeah. And there really wasn't anything that would have figured that out. And it also kind of makes sense just by the 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 physical, like the body of the, these creatures, like like their limbs are very long and narrow. That it would because they don't they almost have like stabbing things on the end. Yeah, uh, where like a big part of why we can swim is because we can you know extend our hands out and stuff right. like that. And yeah, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. It was one of those things that, for a second, I was like, um, God, I can't think of the name. It's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's the one with Bruce Willis and Joaquin Phoenix with the aliens. Science? Uh, science, yeah. Because that's the thing that kills them. But it's not like, right. they're, it's not like wa- they're afraid of water. They just can't swim. Right. Yeah. But I was just like, ah, oh, all right. That's kind of a well, thing. Yeah. But there is also mm-hmm. only, it's a horror sci-fi film right where trying to be grounded in present day there's only so many things that you're going to be able to do to combat them you know without like you know military weapons and And obviously in the first like at the end of the first one they and right at the beginning of this movie they show that oh yeah we already know how to get rid of these things yeah like they have the radio they have the the hearing aid and like they immediately take one out and it's like okay so they kind of have it figured out and it's kind of seeing wherever and then obviously the dock scene yeah. Like one of the bigger climaxes of the movie. Yeah. Um, the foreshadowing in the movie was great, too. I'm sure you noticed all the things from the beginning, from mm-hmm. day one with the yeah. whole, like, the signing. Like, yeah. A lot she, of foreshadowing. She, she, yeah. They, you saw the symbol for dive, which I was just like, I was like, that's obviously going to be used later, yes. but I couldn't figure out how. I was thinking the whole time, the whole movie, I'm like, okay, when is that going to, and then yeah. they were in water, and I'm like, okay, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Something's going to happen here. 
I was surprised because, you know, because he does mention the people who are still alive are not worth saving. And then when the people on the dock show up, I was surprised we didn't get more of that. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to take, uh, take them or at least take Reagan back to wherever they right. live. And especially because the guy who was like, took her pack off and everything. That's uh, Scoot McNary is the actor mm-hmm. who, uh, which drives me nuts because his name is Scott and he professionally goes by Scoot. I'm like, it's disgusting. I'm like you're in your, like <laughs> being named Scott. I always hated when people called me scooter or whatever. Yeah. I'm just like, and this dude goes by like his, <laughs> like his IMDB page, like his, his, you know, Screen Actors Guild name is Scoot McNary. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> but but he's he's a really good actor, and he's in a lot of stuff. So I just assumed we were going to see more mm-hmm. of them, and then it was just kind of like over really quickly. Yeah, yeah. So in I, situations like that, how can it not be over quickly? Right. Just like, quite literally just make sound. Right. Like, right. obviously, like, you run the risk of anything happening to you, but that's all just... Yep. was the easiest thing out. Yeah. The whole time that was happening, I'm like, okay, when is someone just going to make a sound? Mm-hmm. And then it was immediately over. Yeah. Yeah. There were times when, you know, because, you know, it was set up in the first film that, you know, the family had these, like, trails of sand everywhere that they could walk barefoot so they wouldn't make a sound. Mm-hmm. And they get to the point in this one where they're traveling away from their homestead where... They get to the end of the sand mm. and they're walking and there's leaves everywhere and they're <laughs> rustling. But I was just like, none of the creatures came at that point. Just, yeah. I was just like, I, I mean, I wonder if it's because it's so far out into the woods that there's enough other sound of, that it just mixes in right. or or maybe the creatures are congregated around where people are. Right. So. And it could have, be a, could have been a built-in thing for them where they think, if we don't do this, it's going to... Anything, if we touch outside the sand, it will happen immediately. Right. And then obviously they, because they hadn't stepped outside of their area in right. however long. Yeah. Like, what was it, 400 something days? Yeah. And then the second they do, they're like, okay, maybe we were, we didn't have to do this the whole time. Right. Something they just didn't realize. Yeah. Um, foreshadowing, too, in a weird way was when, during day one, when he's in the store, did you see the rocket ship? Yep, the kid that yep. the kid had. Yeah, that which is what ended up killing their third. Yeah, their their first third child. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and um, the point too in the movie where Emily Blunt went to the the bridge. Yeah, and put the ring on the cross. Yeah, yeah. Another. I mean, obviously, yeah. the movie was more centered around the kids than it was. The first film was mostly her and her and her husband. Yeah. Well, obviously, that was an important part for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, the first one was definitely a showcase for Emily Blunt, where this one was certainly much more focused on the kids. And and even Killian Murphy was kind of a supporting character mm-hmm. to to Reagan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I it's funny because like I will certainly go see third one if that ends up getting made. And I'm sure I'll be excited about it, but I, I don't this didn't leave me with like well, now what happens? I was just right. like, yeah, that was great, and that was very satisfying. Yep. Um, which I think is it's a, a good but also rare thing for a sequel because I think once a number two is greenlit um, for Blockbuster, uh, 
it's just assumed, okay, we're just going to keep people on the hook for each successive yeah. one where this really felt like a film in its own right. I mean, it would right. be interesting to see, <clears throat> to talk to someone who sees this, who hasn't seen the first one. Um, if it, if, my, if one it of my was, roommates oh, really? saw this one and didn't see the first one and he loved it. He yeah. Loved this one. And he, obviously he was able to, to follow along well yeah. enough. Yeah. And I think it sets up enough of what happened in the first one. Yep. Uh, yeah. And it's like, there really aren't as many, did he ask why Jim from the office was only in the beginning of the movie? No, I think he just again. Like, I think he just knew he just sure. could figure it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jim from the office, nice. Uh, I think it was like it's very like you said it's very rare to go to the movies, especially like in this age of film um, with blockbusters having a sequel that you consider that could be better than the their first film. Yeah. That doesn't I feel like doesn't happen as often as it should. Yeah, just because you seem like you said it seems like it could be. Just like they're trying to milk it, cash grab. Mm -hmm. But it seems like he genuinely cares about the story yeah. and the characters. And obviously it's his wife in the film. And um, I think he – I think the third one, I'm assuming there's going to be a part three. Yeah. Just the way this one kind of ended. Um, I'm interested. I'll see it. Yeah. I'm not like dying to see it. Like I wasn't dying to see this one. Yeah. Because um, I thought the first one was just fine. I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah. It was a good movie. It was – I don't think it was like the most amazing – horror movie that's come out in the yeah. past decade. Yeah. But I was like, that was really good. Great concept, executed perfectly. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's see what the second one is. And I was very impressed. It's interesting because I think it pulled off something that's hard, whereas it's a PG-13 horror film, which are very popular these days because just um, studios know they're going to make more money most of the time with a PG-13 right. than are. But so many films that are PG-13, I feel like, they make a movie and then they take out the elements that would make it an R just for just to make more money right. where nothing felt like it was missing from this. And it's a very intense movie. Um, mm -hmm. Like regardless of the, cause like most of the films that I watch just in general, just tend to be rated R just because right. the, you know, I, I like dark, depressing shit anyways, but it, I, I didn't feel like this was lacking, nor did I feel the first one was uh, for, being a PG-13 film. Yep, I agree. So, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it, and I would I wouldn't, would like to see it again. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to hear what you think. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it, uh, knowing the beats of the film, how it'll change it. But I think I saw, I know I saw A Quiet Place, the first one, at least three times in the theater, mm -hmm. but it might have been more, but maybe not. It's, the older I get, the rarer it is for me to see a film more than once in the theater. Um, other than, other than star Wars movie. Well, no, that's not true. I was going to say, I saw Tenet like six times, but that's because it was literally one of the only new things that was right. playing last year. And I also have the regal pass, so it doesn't cost me anything to see it. Which is awesome. Um, although going way back to when we were talking about trailers, Tenet is one of those films that did interesting stuff with the. You saw Tenet, right? I never saw it. Okay. I don't, you, you, you and I talked about right. it, and all the people I know, I'm like, I could probably not see this for yeah. a while. And um, I, don't, I don't care. It's So, the trailers in Tenet, I was like, oh, I, I can't wait to see this. But 95% of the footage that's in the trailer for Tenet is from the first 30 minutes of the movie. I think I it's just, yeah, that, it's which such. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because it's like, I just remember, I'm like, oh, this scene, like, one of the scenes that when I saw the trailer, 
I was like, well, that's clearly the climax of the movie. Is, the is the opening scene? No, not the not the airplane scene, but there's a scene when they're all in an opera house and there's like oh, a big explosion. Yeah, that's yeah, literally yeah. the opening scene of the movie. Oh, that's wild. Um, and but yeah, even the plane crash thing uh, is within like the first forty five minutes of the movie. That's crazy. And it's just like, yeah, it, like the actual climax of the film. There's not a single shot from that in the trailer. Wow. Um, which is impressive. Which is which is interesting, but yeah. Um, so I typically do a uh, one to ten scale. One being the worst, obviously Garbage. ten being the best. Um, yeah. What would you What would you give Quiet Place Part Two? I would say with how like I didn't go in with insane expectations, mm-hmm. um, but was definitely left very satisfied. Mm-hmm. I think the runtime was pretty much on the money. Yeah. Uh, didn't feel Didn't feel too short. Didn't feel too long. I just spit something on my hand. Nice. That was pretty cool. Um, the acting was great. I think the story was awesome. I would, I honestly like thinking I would probably give it like seven and a half. Nice. Maybe closer, yeah. maybe an eight. Yeah. I'd give it an eight myself. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I, I'd have to go back and listen to the episode from several seasons ago when I saw a quiet place, but I think I gave the first one an eight as well. Yeah. And it's one of those things I said, I think it was just as good as first one, Maybe better, but again, it might be that new car smell on it that yeah. I'm just like, you know. I was definitely very excited just to see the movie. Yeah. Just in general at the theater. And, yeah. Well, it's the first new movie I've seen that I was looking forward to in almost a year. Right. Um, I uh, I mean, I saw Cruella last week, and uh, I will talk about that on the next episode, but uh, I was <laughs> we'll neither. Not, will not be joining you. Yeah. I was <laughs> not looking forward to seeing that, and uh, so my expectations were met with that film. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's Perfect. a little little. That's a little teaser for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, Kim, can't wait. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for chatting with me. Man. Anytime. All right. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase, and this is for the Love of Film podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, this is this is going to be a combined episode. Obviously, if you are hearing this, you heard the first part where uh, myself and Travis Romo talked about A Quiet Place Part Two. I'm going to go through um, the other films that. I've seen this month again, you know, and I've said it's, I've said on many of these episodes lately that um, it's been a while since last time we talked. Uh, This one's not, not uh, really my fault just because um, scheduling with um, the producer of this podcast and the other two podcasts that I do, um, he's been very busy. So he hasn't been able to, uh, we haven't been able to connect as often as need be to put these out. So, uh, I'm just, I just decided to combine these two episodes. So I'm going to talk about all the stuff that, uh, I've seen in the past month and, uh, yeah, hopefully scheduling wise will, will, um, clear up this summer, but who knows? Um, the world is kind of opening up, uh, after 18 months of weird scheduling and people being held up. Uh, hold up, I should say. So yeah, um, uh, I'm just going to fire through the things that I've seen because there's quite a few, I've seen quite a few movies both in the theater and, you know, digitally. So um, I saw the film Becky, which stars a young actress named Lulu Wilson and Kevin James. This was a, um, I, it was a Redbox rental. I had seen it at Redbox for a while, didn't really have any interest, but I had heard some decent things about it. Um, it's basically, it's a sort of a psychological, nah, not psychological. It's a thriller 
slash horror movie, but it's not doesn't have any supernatural elements. It's a uh, uh, young girl. Her father uh, is being is getting remarried after her mother passes away, and uh, she's she you know she's a teenager and does not is not receptive to the stepmother or the soon-to-be stepmother and her son, and they go up to the family's lake house for the weekend, and then a group of escaped convicts uh, terrorizes them, and she exacts revenge upon them. Um, Kevin James plays the de facto leader of them, and uh, I'm not a huge Kevin James fan, but I, you know, I like to... I enjoyed the fact that he was playing a different character than he usually plays. You know, he actually plays a menace, menacing character really well. Um, but, uh, uh, he's still not a great actor. He was really good in the first half of this film where he really didn't talk much. And then once he starts talking a lot, uh, his, his performance became less impressive, but it was still nice to see him do something different. Um, you know, it's a pretty, pretty violent film. Um, I don't know. It was, it was better than I expected, but still not an amazing film. And certainly, uh, I guess I was, like I said, better than expected to be. I, so I was mildly entertained while I was watching it. Um, certainly wasn't the worst thing that I've seen, but definitely not the best thing I've seen. I'd give Becky a, a five out of 10. Uh, let's see. Uh, I saw Those Who Wish Me Dead, um, which uh, I couldn't remember the last time I had seen Angelina Jolie in something. I know that she's going to be uh, uh, going to be in the Elementals, I believe it's called the the new. Uh, it's a, it's a Phase Four Marvel Cinematic Universe film that's coming out at the end of the year. Uh, but it was written and directed by Taylor Sheridan, who, um, you know, he wrote, uh, uh, why am I, I'm drawing a complete blank. Um, well, I mean, he wrote and directed Hell or High Water, um, and he also wrote Wind River and, oh, Sicario, that's the one that I was blanking on the name of, I could picture the, uh, this is certainly of all the stuff that he's done, um, that I've seen. Because I know he also wrote Sons of Anarchy for a while, and um, he was on that as well uh, as an actor. Um, this is probably the least impressive thing that he's done. Still a, a decent thriller, but kind of by by the book. Um, you know, it was fairly predictable. It was interesting to see Nicholas Holt play a villain. In this, um, you know, some people would argue that he played a villain in Mad Max Fury Road, but, um, you know, he he's a redeemable character in that, where this, he is not. Uh, uh, also nice to see Joe, uh, or John Bernthal um, play, uh, he's, he's like the secondary uh, protagonist in this, and... Uh, uh, yeah, he did it. He, I, I like John Bernthal. He's been in a lot of these as just like, uh, you know, having 
just sort of like uh, slightly more than a, than a glorified cameo, um, especially in if you've seen Wind River, he has a small part in that, a pivotal part, but a small part in that as well. Um, so this was a much bigger role for him, and um, it was also nice to see Jake Weber in something. I didn't. I, the last thing I remember seeing Jake Weber in of any significance was Zack Snyder's uh, Dawn of the Dead, which you know, seventeen, eighteen years ago, but. Um, and Jake Weber's only in this for a short period of time, but um, he did a good job in this. And, uh, you know, it's interesting seeing him. Uh, he, he's he's looking kind of old, but it uh, happens to us all, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's uh, basically uh, someone who was a smoke jumper. You know, Angelina Jolie plays this character. And um, uh, she, she um, made a bad call and a bunch of people had died. Um, a year or two previous. So she's now holed up in a, um, fire watchtower and, um, it's mixed with, uh, uh, an assassination story where, um, you know, uh, someone who has insider information to a large corporation, um, it, he's assassinated and his young son is on the run. He has information and Angelina Jolie helps him slash protects him. Uh, yeah, like I said, it is a fairly standard, uh, thriller, but I was entertained when I saw it. Uh, I would give those that wish me dead a six out of 10. Um, I saw a film called Nobody, um, which I actually, uh, really enjoyed, uh, uh, starring Bob Odenkirk and, uh, you know, <laughs> This is not a spoiler at all, but, you know, uh, probably one of my favorite cinematic scenes I've seen so far this year is uh, the climax of it where Bob Odenkirk, uh, his father played by Christopher Lloyd, and his uh, friend played by the RZA are having a, you know, uh, a gunfight in a warehouse fighting about, uh, you know, 50 Russian Russian mob... uh, goons and uh it was it, it was great um i think what i really like about this film is that you know bob odenkirk is certainly not someone that you immediately think of as an action hero and uh he he definitely did a great job of making it believable that he was someone who he basically played the character that liam neeson's been playing for the last 10 years or so it, you know, in the taken films and other stuff where he's a seemingly ordinary man who has this extraordinary set of skills and is kind of like John wick. If John wick was set in uh, a, a more realistic version of the world. And yeah, I was, didn't know what to expect from this film. Really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed Bob Odenkirk in the lead. And uh, it's, it's, it's a wacky, yeah, it, it, it's a wacky, violent film, escapist, but, um, you know, one of the best versions of that type of film. Uh, really enjoyed it, and, uh, you know, I'd give nobody a 7 out of 10. Um, I saw Disney's uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. It's funny, because I've seen people on both sides of... Um, critical sides of this. Some people thought it was boring. Some people enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, you know, uh, uh, about a, a, a culture. It's, I think it's set in the future, but it's not, there's not 
it's not futuristic. It's um, there's definitely mystical elements and um, it uh, yeah, there's dragons in it. There's magic in it. And, but it's not, uh, it's not based on folklore. It's an original story. And um, while I'm not a huge fan of uh, digital animation, it looked fine. I'm just, you know, I'm much more of a traditional hand-drawn animation fan, and that is sadly something that I don't think Disney's going to ever do again. So, um, yeah, I um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing an animated film on the on the theater, or on the big screen in the theater. I wasn't bored with it. It was fine. I mean... Uh, mercifully, it wasn't a musical because I'm not a huge fan of that of those. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, depending on if you have kids in your life or not, will probably affect how much you enjoy this as well. But I'd give Ryan the Last Dragon also a, a seven out of ten. <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, uh, f- also from Disney, I saw Cruella, which is their uh, their live action it's it i guess it's a prequel it's it's you know i i'm not sure if it's supposed to technically be a prequel to the live action uh 101 dalmatians that uh glenn close played cruella de villain but uh emma stone plays cruella de vil as it's an, it's an origin story of cruella de vil which i don't get why they're why they made this i nobody asked for it and it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why they're giving us an origin story for a Disney villain and why they're making her sympathetic. It doesn't, uh, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary to make every single character from every Disney, uh, film have a sympathetic story. Um, she's the villain in 101 Dalmatians and that's fine. I don't think any of us were like, I wonder what makes her tick. And I, I didn't need a semi sad, semi-confusing story. Um, I do like Emma Stone. She did a fine job in this, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, even if it is somewhat sympathetic, she's still a not likable character and softening the edges of it just sort of makes it a weaker character in general. It doesn't, I don't know. I don't think it made her more interesting. And, um, yeah, I just don't know why Disney's doing this. And uh, I, yeah, I I did not like this film. It was also, it was way too long. It was two hours and 20 minutes. Full disclosure, I left at the two hour mark because I had had enough. I knew exactly how, or I thought I knew exactly how it was going to end. So when I got home, I went home and read the plot synopsis online. And yeah, the last 20 minutes, it was exactly how I thought it was going to end. So um, that's kind of, there's very few films I think that need to be over two hours long and uh, certainly something that's aimed at children. It's, I I don't understand what the point of making such a long film is, but um, yeah, I did not enjoy Cruella. Um, I do have some friends who enjoyed it a bit. They thought it was fun, but I did not enjoy it. I would give Cruella a, uh, I would give it a three out of 10. Um, I talked about a quiet place too, uh, with Travis. Um, so I've seen that a couple times in the theater. 
Um, I may see it one more time in the next week or so. Um, I did see a film called uh, City of Lies, which the the tagline on the on the on the poster and on the the box art just says who shot biggie which yes that is what it's essentially about but it doesn't really sum up the film it is uh it's based on the nonfiction book labyrinth by randall sullivan and it's based on the lapd investigation of the murder of um, christopher wallace aka the notorious big and also a little bit the murder of tupac shakur um stars johnny depp and also Forrest Whitaker. Uh, Johnny Depp plays the L.A. detective Russell Poole, who um, dedicated, you know, almost 20 years of his life to trying to solve this crime. He, um, this is not a spoiler because it's tr- true life, but he, he actually died giving um, information to the LAPD. Like, he wasn't killed. He had a... Um, I believe he had a yeah he had a brain aneurysm while he was actually in uh, um, uh, Los Angeles Police Department precinct, um, uh, but uh, you know more than twenty years after the murder of Christopher Wallace, still not solved. But it, it does it does have some you know it it raises some real questions and. Um, I don't. It's it's not really one of those conspiracy theory type stories, uh, because everything that's um, mentioned in this is is backed up by fact. But um, this film actually was made in 2017, and there were weird legal battles and distribution rights, and it finally got released uh, quietly in. 2021 theatrically i did not see it that way i saw it uh on Redbox. i actually thought because it was on Redbox that it was a direct to video uh movie and i didn't know the history of it until after i had rented it but yeah it's it's interesting to read a lot you know a lot of it was based on johnny depp's uh ongoing legal problems that it was delayed as well. But, uh, you know, some people believe that that's actually just used as an excuse. The LAPD, the LAPD, I'm sorry, did not want this film released. I don't know what the truth is, but it, it was a much better film than I expected it to be. It was actually really captivating. And, um, regardless of what you feel about Johnny Depp's personal life and him as a person, he gave a, an exceptional performance. This was a nice reminder that, oh, right, he is a, a really good actor or can be a really good actor. And Forrest Whitaker gave another, you know, really solid performance. Um, he's, you know, he's a really great actor anyways. So that was a pleasant surprise. I really enjoyed City of Lies. I'd give that a solid 7 out of 10 as well. Huh. So I, I then saw The Hitman's Wife's... Oh, I saw... Hitman's Bodyguard, but I also saw Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, the sequel to it. Um, I was aware of the Hitman's Bodyguard when it came out several years ago and um, didn't really have any interest in seeing it. Everyone I knew who saw it was like, eh, it's okay. And which, you know, that's my take on it as well. Um, But I did want to see the sequel. Um, Not so much. 
Uh, I don't even want to say I wanted to see it. I just knew it was a new movie, and there's not a whole lot of new content coming out right now. So I was like, I'm probably going to end up seeing that, so I should see the first one. Which is So I redboxed that, and I saw them both within a couple days of each other. But um, it's pretty standard action comedy, buddy cop stuff. Um, the movie's not nearly as clever as it should be, or the the makers think it is. You know, Ryan Reynolds is a is a by by the books um, uh, bodyguard, I guess. For yeah, I mean that's what it's called in the title. But um, he 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 protects sometimes uh, dubious characters, and you know Samuel L. Jackson's a hitman. Um, by circumstances that are convoluted and doesn't really matter, he ends up having to protect Samuel Jackson, even though Samuel Jackson killed one of his, <clears throat> one of the people that he was guarding previously, which caused him to lose a whole bunch of credibility, <clears throat> yada, yada, yada. They have chemistry together, but, um, that's really not enough to carry this film and, most of it is really amounts to Samuel L. Jackson swearing at Ryan Reynolds, screaming at him and swearing at him and lots of gunfights. And it can't really figure out the right tone for it. It's not as fun as it, as it thinks it is. And it's not as exciting as it should be. And it just kind of is in this murky middle ground. It's, it's weird because both of these films are rated R because of the language and the violence, but it really feels tonally, it feels like a PG 13 movie. And, um, you know, both of the actors are likable, but neither one of them give particularly memorable performances. It, it definitely just feels like they're showing up, collecting a paycheck. Um, I'd give both the Hitman's bodyguard and, the, and Hitman's wife's bodyguard, um, you know, a five out of 10 They're Yeah. Not, not, not great films. I also saw in the Heights, which is a musical, um, partially written by Lynn, Lynn Manuel Miranda, which, um, I don't really like musicals. Some people know that I've talked that, about that a lot on here. Um, however, I, um, I actually enjoyed this a lot more than I expected to, um, you know, there has been some, some controversy about the casting in this, which I don't really have a, a, an opinion, uh, you know, being a uh, white male myself, I don't have uh, opinion or don't feel I really have the right to have an opinion about that. But um, it was nice to see a film where uh, it was all people of color uh, in the film. Uh, I don't think there's a single... Uh, Caucasian actor in this film. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, again, a little too long. And again, you know, it's, it's based on a, a Broadway musical. And, um, so I get it. It was probably truncated from that just to make, make a film like film, but it's again, two hours and 20 minutes. And I don't know, it's just hard for me to sustain interest in a film most films that are longer than two hours um but i also don't know what you would have cut from this and certainly because it is a musical and there's musical numbers they can't really cut any of the songs or they wouldn't want to cut any of the songs but i don't know you know i don't know what you would have cut 
to make it shorter, but it, it does sag a lot in the middle because a lot happens. Uh, well, it does take a little while to get going as, as well, but a lot happens in the last um, 45 minutes of the film where there's a lot of buildup for it. So maybe they could have cut out some of the buildup for it. But yeah, um, you know, the songs are, are, are catchy. Um, not necessarily memorable because I can only I can really only remember the the opening number uh, the in the heights song now but um, you know the choreography was cool they did some interesting things with animation and some 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 interesting things with you know bending the the laws of physics and stuff uh, not all over the place it was done sparingly but it it worked pretty well for the the scenes that it was used in and you know it's nice to see jimmy smith's in a in a big screen performance uh i can't remember the last time you know other than the star wars prequels where i had seen jimmy smith's in something uh so yeah i i enjoyed in the heights way more than i expected um i'd give in the heights a seven out of ten as well um i know it, it seems like i'm giving a lot of seven out of tens on this one but you know, there weren't a ton of films that uh, I loved uh, that I've seen this time. But um, there also, other than Cruella, really wasn't anything I hated. Um, the last film that uh, I'm going to talk about, I actually just saw yesterday um, and I really enjoyed it. But again, it's two hours and 20 minutes. And this film could have easily done with at least being a half an hour shorter Um but uh, it's a documentary by Edgar Wright, who, you know, did uh, Baby Driver and the, the Cornetta trilogy of uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and what's it called? Not This is the End, but I don't know. The third film that he did with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Um, but uh, it's a, the Sparks Brothers. Uh, it's a documentary about the band Sparks. Which, if if you're not familiar with them, don't don't feel too bad. It's they're not a household name band, despite the fact that they started uh, in the '60s and are still going today. And you know, um, they're one of those bands that uh, I think most of the people who are fans of them are influenced by them are are musicians or entertainers themselves. And there's quite a, quite a few people, uh, interviewed in this, uh, Jason Schwartzman, uh, flea, uh, members of faith, no more. Um, God, um, members of the go-go's I'm just trying to think in my head who, who, whose heads were going by talking up Beck. Um, a lot of people talking about them and it really gave me, um, because I knew next to nothing about this band. I was familiar with probably half a dozen of their songs. And, you know, I just kind of knew them as this that weird band who the guy has a really high voice and, you know, the weird keyboard, weird looking keyboard player, his brother who has like a quasi Hitler mustache. And just it was really interesting to learn the history of the band and get a glimpse into their their um, creative process and just kind of what they're all about. And also they have a real air of mystery about them as well. 
even though it is a documentary about them, but you don't learn a ton about their personal lives. And it does, they have, they have 24 studio albums and it delves into, uh, almost every single one of them. And, uh, that's part of the reason for the long running time. Some of the albums I could probably, they probably could have cut a little bit out and I don't know. It's, it was nice to see a movie documentary on the big screen and, it felt like, because I watch a lot of music documentaries, and it felt like one of the ones that, you know, when it's put out on home video, you get an extended cut. This felt like the extended cut, even though it's the original cut. Um, I think the general public probably would not be interested in this film. Certainly, if you're a music aficionado, I highly recommend it. Um I don't know if I could recommend it if you're just an Edgar Wright fan, because obviously it's different than his other films. But uh, it, it's it's a very interesting, well-made documentary. Um, it moves along, despite the two-hour and 20-minute runtime, it does move along at a brisk clip. And um, there's never a boring part. It's just, it, it feels like an endurance race towards the end. I'm just like okay, I'm just getting all this information and, uh, I, I was ready to be done at the end, but I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy. Uh, I certainly wasn't bored. Um, but again, I think it could have done with a little bit of editing, but it was still, um, entertaining. I enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I'd give the Sparks brothers, a, a would give the Sparks brothers an eight out of 10. Definitely, uh, if you're a music fan, you should check it out because it's one of the one of the better music documentaries that I have seen. So those are the movies that I saw in the last month or so. I hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening.